Hey, what's up, military millionaires? Today I have a super exciting episode with Jack Bosch, the land guy, and we talk all about land flipping and how he has taken flipping a single piece of land for not very much invested and turned it into hundreds of apartment complexes and just generational wealth. But most importantly, towards the end of this, we talk about his book Forever Cash and his philosophy on financial freedom and how to attain it, and it is brilliant. I'm a huge fan. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for joining the community. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. Show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hold on to your seats, guys. The show will be on just after this word from our sponsors. Hey, guys. On this podcast, we talk a lot about the roadblock to success for military members and getting started in real estate investing. For many of us, the barriers of time, location, and not having the right knowledge keep us from building wealth while serving our country. Well, let me tell you about Storehouse 310 Ventures. They get it. Storehouse 310 Ventures is owned by two active duty naval officers that love to make investing fun, lucrative, and have a passion for education, theirs and yours alike. They offer full turnkey rental properties in a market where the numbers make sense, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, Milwaukee, home to the almost 2018 division titled Milwaukee Brewers, the well-known Miller Brewing Company, and a lot of delicious cheese. Storehouse 310's properties are fully renovated, leased, and have property management in place. Through their rigorous analysis and selection process, they do everything possible to ensure each rental property meets their high standards and offers fantastic returns. Storehouse 310's allows you to invest with confidence while you are living out of state. They have a network of lenders, insurance companies, contractors, a title company, and much more to serve you all along the way. There is absolutely no reason not to get started when you have the right teams and system in place. David and Stu, the owners of Storehouse 310, have been investing themselves for over 15 years. They are on a mission to help as many active duty, reserves, and military veterans create financial freedom through the power of real estate investing. They are honest, transparent, and they prioritize service and giving. They have even committed to give the first 10% of their profits to partner nonprofit organizations that support veteran causes. For more information about their program, send an email to podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Again, that is podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Tell David and Stu you heard about them through the Military Millionaire Podcast, and they will get you going down the right path. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire, and I am here with Jack Bosch, also known as the Land Guy. And I'm super excited about this because I have not yet had an expert in land development, land flipping on the show, which is a super niche method of real estate investing. And he's got a great story. So, Jack, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be here. And uh, I, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm the land guy and actually more like the land couple because my wife and I are, are running our business just like uh, you and your wife are running your business uh, together and have been since the year 2003. So, uh, well, the short, the short version is, um, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not from here. I'm from Germany originally. Um, I came over, over to this country back in 1997. Um, pretty much broke just as a college student and uh, started working uh, after graduating from college, got the work permit, started working, took five and a half years to get the green card. And halfway through that, I just uh, 
decided that this this employee thing is not for me and then you know, the two-week vacation and uh, making just about broke and in, in, in income wasn't wasn't the right thing and I and 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 I needed to do something so long story short is we, we tried real estate we came across real estate tried all kinds of stuff we came across land and we figured out land is simpler than houses and you can do almost everything with land that you can do with houses that's awesome so what got you interested in land in the first place well actually I didn't it didn't actually happen like that that I got interested in it instead we found this we, we struggled, right? We, we, we tried wholesaling and we came across a, a triplex uh, that we put on a contract and we tried to wholesale it and no one would buy it. And now I know why. Back then I didn't know why because I didn't know anything about the cost of rehab and so on. Uh, now we have a portfolio of a whole bunch of houses. We have over 300 uh, apartment units. So we now I understand all about that, but, but back then I didn't. So we couldn't sell that thing because it had way more expenses than we, when we thought it would. Uh, then we looked into tax liens and tax deeds, right? Into tax liens and tax deeds where you can buy properties, uh, buy liens or buy attend auctions and buy the properties. And we were outbid and what we bought is liens. We were paid back right away. We couldn't make any money basically. And then we had one thought and that one thought was like, well, if there's people who haven't paid their property taxes and those people have, so much don't want their property. Literally, they have shut down. They have basically made peace with the fact that they that that they are gonna lose these properties. Well, what if we could find out what their mailing address is and contact them? And I'm not talking about just the people who whose property is coming up for auction three weeks from now, but I'm talking about the people who just stopped paying property taxes last week or last month or half a year ago or a year ago. Because in many states, it takes like in California, for example, it takes five years before a property even goes to auction. Yeah. Right? In other states, it takes three to five years before a tax lien is being foreclosed. And in that time period, people have literally made up their mind that they don't want to have these properties anymore, but nobody's contacting them. So we contacted them. And what happens is only land people, only owners of land contacted us back. Literally not a single house, house owner call, called us, at least initially not. And we were like, the first property was like a property worth eight to ten thousand dollars. And we we're like, what the heck are we gonna do with that? <laughs> and so it's like, and then we was like, well, I don't know, but let me just offer 400 bucks. So because we figured uh, we're gonna have to give a discount when we sell it, because who's gonna want a piece of land, right? Yeah. And um, so we offered 400 bucks, the guy accepted it, we bought it. We drove up there, put the for sale by owner sign on it, and the neighbor next door bought it the same day for four thousand dollars. <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, well, if that's working." So then we like, then the next deal came along. It was another land deal. So we never really got interested. It wasn't like we got interested in land. It turned out that land came our way, and soon after, soon to this process, we realized that with land even though we knew nothing about real estate at that point, we had done 20 deals knowing nothing about real estate because all, because with land, especially with land flipping, and especially when you flip land, that's worth less than a hundred thousand dollars when you're not developing it, right? When you're not rezoning it, when you're not doing any of these complicated things with land, when you just flip it and you make a low enough offer, because the second deal was a 40 acre parcel worth about $20,000. So we, we got it for $500. <laughs> And we're like, and then we sold it for ten thousand dollars online in ten days, and and so on and so forth. And and just last month we bought a property that uh, we bought for five hundred dollars, sold for five thousand. Another one we bought for five thousand, we sold for sixty-five thousand dollars or sixty-four thousand dollars, and so on. So these deals, um, 
the bottom line is we realize that we don't need to know anything about real estate because, or at least not much. Of course, you need to learn the terminology, but I don't need to know if it costs a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars to replace a bathroom, right? Or repair a bathroom. It doesn't. I don't need to know if it costs five thousand or fifteen thousand dollars to replace a roof. I don't need to know what the cost of branded countertops is. I call it countertops. Is. I don't need to know the cost of new cabinets because none of that stuff is on, on a piece of land. If I can buy them cheap enough, I can always sell them cheap and cheaper, cheap, but with a profit. So if I buy something for 10 cents on a dollar, I can always usually sell it for 30 cents on a dollar and triple my money or for 50 cents on a dollar. And if you price it cheap enough, and on top of it, if you, that over time, we figured out that we can do, actually get cash flow from land by selling it to sell a financing. And then, uh, so if you can offer it for 80% of market value, get as a down payment as much as you paid for the property, you don't need to know anything about houses. And, and that's when it all started. And, and for five years, we put the blinders on and we didn't touch a house and we didn't do anything. And we didn't even know the first thing about houses. <laughs> Yet in those five years, we did something like 2,000 deals. Man, that's insane. That's so cool. <clears throat> What's funny about that, you mentioned the guy next door buying the property for, you know, almost 10 times what you put down on it. Uh, I own, we owned a little five acre patch of land on a house. Uh, and the guy next door to me owned 10 acres. And I had told him for years, hey, if you ever sell, I want the five acres between our properties. And sure enough, you know, two, three years later, he got moved to Tennessee or something. And uh, he called me, he's like, hey, the guy wants to buy the house, he wants all the land, but if you give me $1,000 an acre more, I'll give you, you know, whatever. And I was the knucklehead next door who bought the land for way more than it was worth because there is something to owning the land that borders your property so no one can build on it. Uh, exactly. And it so that's your backyard, it, it allows you to have extra fun on there, it allows you to perhaps in your mind build something for the kids or the grandkids down the road. Uh, whatever it is. Yes. It's, it's nice to have it. And even if it's just for extra space. Well, I was lucky enough that we had a, a few cows, so I, I let them multiply and uh, All right, there so we go. Our, our cattle now covers the mortgage. So I might've paid a little bit extra, but it's still cash flowing and they mow the grass. So they, exactly. They mow the grass real nice. You'll never get a city violation from them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's a lot of cool benefits to that. So the, the land thing, so you flip a lot of properties, and then what, what went from there? So I know that you own a lot of uh, houses and, and multifamily and commercial and stuff, but uh, did yeah. you get into like rezoning and all that other fun? Crazy no, stuff? I never gotten into rezoning. Although some of our students, we now teach this for the last 10 years, we have been teaching this, we have seminars and we have courses on it and so on. But, uh, but some of our students are now went to, this, uh, to the rezoning process. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of them just, I mean, he's, a, he's become a big player. He just called me yesterday. He, he and his wife, they became, they pulled up with some other guys and bought a piece of land in the Bay Area uh, for literally $10, $10 million. So that's a different playground that we're playing. We're playing usually below $100,000, uh, but they actually sold it for $16 million just, uh, just like a, a couple of years later. So, I mean, that is obviously a great deal. But, but another one of our students, and uh, we, he thought taking a property worth $200,000, and by rezoning it, he made it into property worth $650,000. So you can do those things, but they're only worth if you're literally adding 100 grand or more to it, because otherwise the time effort that it takes to be involved in that process is more than you would, uh, it, it ties you down so much to make, let's say if you do this and you make an extra $20,000, you're all excited. 
But if you would have used that time to do more simple deals instead, you would have, you would have made $100,000 in that same time. And so we basically stick, talk to our guns and just did flip, 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 and continues to do flip, flip, flip. Now, occasionally what we do is we hold on to properties. So we have some properties in the path of growth. The city's approaching rapidly. We bought them for 3,000. They're worth 25 now. And within the next 10, 15 years, they're probably gonna be worth $300,000 to $500,000. So they're easy to hold on because for the same also reason, there's a, they're in the farming area. So we, uh, we gave a, a grazing rights to a farmer in the area. Because of that, our property taxes now dropped dramatically because it's essentially used for agricultural purposes. And so instead of paying like $300 in property taxes a year, we pay like $5 or $8 in property taxes. So there's some ways that you can do that while we just sit on them and hold on to them. So that's the thing. But then, but, but to answer your question really, uh, what happened is we would have stuck to land forever and we have stuck to land forever. We have continued doing land. But 2008 came around and 2009 came around. And when the market crashed, our method of flipping land continued to work. But what, I, what happened is that I ended up going to one of the Real Estate Investors Association meetings, which I recommend everyone. If you live in any bigger city, there should be a real estate meetup or a real estate investor association that you should join. Um, and I joined the local one in Arizona where I live and uh, called Ezria. Um, and they talked about the price of houses at that time in, at that time, like it was late, it was early 2009, I believe. And I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't hear, I believe my ears. I mean, I, I was like shocked because they basically told me that you could buy houses that would cost 200 to $250,000 just two years prior. You could buy them for $40,000 right now. And they were like, and that's Arizona was one of the hardest hit this market markets. So I came home and we, we, in essence, we're always cash flow investors. So you think about land doesn't cash flow, right? But we believe so, sometimes you got to do some flips to make money, but then you want to use that money and invest that money into something else that produces cash flow. Because the ultimate goal is not to, to flip, 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 flip. The ultimate goal in my mind is to be financially free. Absolutely. And financially free. You are, in my opinion, only if you have, cash flow coming into your account more than you can actually spend on a monthly basis. Now, almost every month can be outspent, but I mean, reasonably speaking, right? So, I mean, like, like if you're currently making $5,000 a month, if you have $15,000 a month in cash flow coming in, you are living the life, right? If you're currently making $10,000 and you have $30,000 a month coming in, you're living a good life, right? So we realized that, and that's why we started doing the sell of financing deal on the land where we could take a piece of land that we bought for 3000 sell it for 30000 get a three dollars to $5,000 down payment, and then get cash flow from these pieces of land. And that's a beautiful scenario because now I get all the money back that I pay for the property, or I can even do a double closing, right? I can buy and sell at the same time, use none of my money, and get the deal done that way. And then at the end, uh, you, uh, you go out and, uh, and then you get cash flow for like 10, 15 years of like 500 bucks a month. That is great. So we always, we optimize that and we built it up into tens of thousands of dollars in cash flow over these five years. But then the market, as the market changed, we saw these houses for sale. We're like, well, now the cash flow makes sense on these houses. We looked at them occasionally. We peaked at them occasionally in 2006 and in 2007, and it just didn't make sense. People were paying $300,000 for houses with, with a, with a, uh, I don't know, with zero down and a, $2,000, $1,500 mortgage, and these houses were bringing in $1,000 in rent. And it's like, how does anyone 
make, how does this even work? The yeah. entire model didn't make sense to me. So we stayed away from it. We never got sucked into that, that hyper thing. We just flipped our pieces of land. But then all of a sudden, if I can see that the rents had not gone down, the rents were still at $1,000, but the same house was now $60,000, $40,000. We bought houses for $25,000, so we couldn't resist. And that's the moment when we jumped in. And even though we hate tenants, toilets, and termites, uh, and land has none, right? And the houses have them. We started buying a portfolio of almost 50 houses uh, that we own free and clear around the country. And, uh, and then from there, we moved on to add uh, apartment complexes because we soon realized that the cash flow from the houses is okay, but the hassle factor is still huge. So we didn't want to deal with the hassle factor. We didn't want to deal with any of that. We just wanted to get cash flow. So we now uh, buying 100 unit plus apartment complexes and syndicating that, uh, offering our investors very conservative underwritten deals uh, where we promise them about a 15% annual return um, and, but usually we beat them like on the deal that we bought in December last year, we're already at a level that within four and a half months, we improved the net operating income by 20% on the property. So within another year, we have probably improved it by another 20%. And even though it's a five-year horizon, we're probably going to be ready in two years to sell this property and double our investors money. Yeah, that's awesome. But that's not typical perhaps, but so on. So we do that. And, but we continue doing our land deals, right? We continue always doing our land deals. I like that you mentioned that you, that you didn't get sucked in because a lot of people don't, they don't think of it that way, right? And we talk as investors about knowing your niche and sticking to your niche and knowing what you're good at and becoming an expert. And there's guys like you mentioned who uh, out here in Hawaii, they'll fix and flip properties and then they'll buy on the mainland after they built some wealth, but they got really good at that one niche before they branched out. And I think that's huge because had you started jumping into houses in 2006, 2007, when everyone else was saying, oh, no, you're silly. Everyone's buying. The market always goes up. Might be a whole different story right now. Might be. Uh, we would have been wiped out, pretty sure. Or perhaps thanks to our land notes and our land deals, we perhaps could have paid for the other thing. But we would have lost millions and millions and millions of dollars in that process. Because when we do, like, when you do something, we like to do it big. Right? We don't like to buy a fourplex. We like to buy a, our first apartment complex we bought had 94 units. And, uh, and then the next one is about well, 90 and the next one at 146 units and so on. So, so if we would have done this, we would have gone in big. But, but I mean, more than anything, we're, we're contrarians, but more than anything, we're fundamental investors. Like I'm a big Warren Buffett fan. And Warren Buffett invests purely into fun, by, based on fundamentals. Now, what that, what that means is, is basically he says, he looks at the numbers and if the numbers make sense and the surroundings make sense, he invests. In 2006 and seven, the numbers did not make sense. It was a speculation. It was a big game of musical chairs. And, um, and, and right now, and then right now we're seeing a similar kind of thing happening in the apartment complex in the world, in my opinion. There's, there's people that are bidding, bidding third, in like tertiary markets, they're bidding apartment complex up to the wazoo with expectations that rental rates will continue to grow up by three to 4% every year when they already have gone up three to 4% for the last five, six years. And this, this game of rapid growth needs to stop at some point of time because people are not making that much money to be able to continue paying those rents. So that's why it's so hard for us to find a deal because we're not playing that game. We're only playing the game of finding the gem. We, are, we, we underwrite our deals with an expectation of a 1% rent growth in the future. 
right? When everyone else expects 3%. So everyone else pays for these properties based on unreasonable expectations. And here's our point. We don't count on those. We only buy properties that have under, under, under market uh, rents that have some issues that we know if we fix them, we can get rents up, but only to the market, not expectations that we, get, that we can keep raising them for 3 to 5% every single year for the next year. It's crazy out there right now, again, in the multifamily market. And, um, and, but, but, but anyway, so, uh, so we stuck our lane, we stuck our lane in land. And then once the market in, in houses just made co so freaking complete sense that we just couldn't say no to it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's silly prices. Uh, I'm kind of getting the same question right now because I, so I'm moving to San Diego for the military uh, in, in two months. And a lot of people are asking me why as a real estate investor, I'm not buying a house in that area. And I'm looking at, home prices and thinking, man, I remember what 2007, 2008, 2009 did to that county. Uh, you know, I'm not willing to buy at this point in the market unless I can get a really solid deal with a lot of renovation and they're not out there right now. Not, not very common. So unless I find that perfect deal, I'm going to rent and I'm going to just avoid anything that could go wrong and keep investing in my market. Right. And now here's the thing. I have a different, I, have a, I don't know what your opinion is about uh, the market shifting and so on. I don't actually expect a crash to come at all. Uh, I don't. I, what we've seen is a settling of the market in many areas, uh, a market that had gone a little bit into overdrive and is now settling. And in essence, we haven't seen a normal market in real estate in the last 15 years. Yeah. Right? If you look at it, 15 years ago, 2004, market started going up like crazy, then it crashed like crazy, then it's a hard on the bottom for a while, and then it came roaring back. Now we are finally at the point where the market is coming back to a regular price. We just bought a new house. We did buy a new house in Phoenix, Arizona, because it's just a place we fell in love with it. It's a place we're going to stay for the next probably 15, 20 years or so. Just a gorgeous house. But we're selling our old house, and our old house is not selling in the moment. It's taking, now we have 60 days now. We get constant traffic, constant activity, but we're expecting it what it takes in a normal market, which is 120 days to sell a market. It's just that we have so many newbies in the market right now that are expecting a house to sell in three days, like it did over the last couple of years, that they're like scrying foul. So buying a house in a market that you know you're going to be in for a long time is totally fine with me, as long as you know you're buying a liability, right? But um, uh, because on top of it, we are on top of the market. So buying something right now will probably not give you a lot of appreciation. So I'm with you. Rent for the reasons of cash flow of the fact that you're not going to get a whole lot of appreciation, but I'm not, I'm not expecting a crash. I'm expecting a little bit of a correction eventually in the multifamily space, in the big apartment complex, hundred units plus apartment space, but that's a different space. That is actually contrarian wise, why we're in this market right now. Yep. Because we want to be in this market uh, with some very, very solid deals um, that we can carry through any kind of correction in order to be prepared and have all the knowledge and have all the, all, the, all the infrastructure in place when that correction comes to do what we did in 2009, just on a bigger scale. I agree. Let me be preparing ourselves to jump into that market and buy a hundred apartment complexes when that correction comes. Yeah, which is a good place to be. All right, so okay, I got a question for you. Um, how can you know, uh, average people interested in uh, career transition benefit from your instructions on land development. And, and it's kind of uh, unique to me because I, I may be in a career transition in the next few years. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm just intrigued. Well, 
uh, actually a lot of our students, including actually, that is our story too. When I came, when I, when I worked in this job, I had to travel a lot. I had not a, not a lot of time um, and I wanted to get out, but I couldn't get out because I was in a green card, uh, in the H1B visa, which is the visa that is the process takes about, coming from Germany, it takes about five, six years to get your, your green card. Coming, if you come from a country like India, so it might take you nine, 10 years, 12 years to get that visa, wow. if you can even have it that long. But, uh, but the point is we had, um, so I was in a situation where I had basically, I could leave, but if I would have left, I would have had 30, 60 days to find another job or leave the country. So I was in a situation kind of perhaps similar to you that, that man, you can't really leave, not do you want to, right? You're happy in the military, but, but you don't have much of a choice. You're kind of like, you're there. That's the place where you are right now. And you have two more years left, two, three more years left, and then you get out. So, so what we did, we decided the same thing. We had like two, three years left. Let's create plan B was our goal. So that once we are free to leave, we have, we can make plan B, plan A, right? So land flipping became our plan B. So we started this part-time and I say we again, I mean my wife, Michelle and I, my wife, by the way, is also an immigrant from another country. She's from Honduras, Central America. So we both came in here with uh, just to college, to, to go to college and got our work visas and always been legally, always been legally in the country. Want to make sure I say that. <laughs> and, uh, and we, we built this part-time and, and that's, and that's, a beautiful way because in this business because you're not dealing with houses you don't have to go the and see the inside of the place because there's nothing to see you can use google earth google maps to see the property uh google street view to drive by right you can do all these things you don't physically have to be it this is the surroundings that i flip land from this is my home office so i don't go anywhere else i don't go go crazy i don't i don't travel i haven't seen any of our pieces of land for the last 12 years we have not gone to see out a single piece of land so you can do this remotely we now even have students in germany switzerland austria china uh australia um like where is it like south america peru that do deals in the united states remotely because you don't have to be there and because of that when you get moved around in your job perhaps it allows you to continue doing deals and make that money. And we have one particular example. It's actually a gentleman in the military. He's actually in the Air Force and fairly high up in the Air Force. Um, I, I, I won't say his name or rank, but he's he's probably one of the top. I would think probably top 50 guys in the Air Force uh, in the Air Force. And he's one of our students. He is going. He's about scheduled to leave the Air Force. When he came to us, he was scheduled to leave the Air Force about four years uh, into the future from then. Uh, so, and he came to us and he enrolled, he came to us and even enrolled in our coaching program that, you know, people don't have to do obviously, to, uh, but, but he said, I want to do this. And we worked with him on an out, on a model that he did very little of the work and most of it was outsourced. So he had, uh, he had kids, for example, his kids ended up helping him. But in other cases, we have virtual assistant that, that uh, we can show him how to hire a virtual assistant. We have a mailing house that sends out the letters, right? We have a call center that can take the phone calls. We have, uh, not we have, but we have, we have found a call center that is trained on our method that people can just plug into and they can, within one day, they're ready, uh, ready to take phone calls, right? We have, um, we have uh, services where they can get the data, for that, uh, the ownership data that they can send to the, to the owners. Uh, and then the research on the property, that he did himself, but that he could kind of sneak in after hours on the weekends and even while traveling with Wi-Fi and so on. 
and uh, and then as a result of that, in the first four months, he made made ninety eight thousand dollars doing this doing this <laughs> doing this method, and and then and since then, even though he was then transferred to Turkey and was stationed over there for a while, he continued and is working on thirty five more deals since then. Wow, so, that's cool. So so if somebody is in transition, somebody wants has a has a position that you can't leave. This is a great business to do part time because it got me out of my job. It got my wife out of hers, um, and it has, has done that for many of our students. It's actually curious. Uh, when I bought my first duplex, the lot so it shared a parking lot, and across the way, empty lot. And I asked them how much they were selling it for, and they were like, "Oh, you know, seven thousand dollars." And it was like a half acre. I was like, "Ah, I'll pass." Um, but it's now been four years, and they still own it. So I'm gonna probably take up some of your ideas here yeah. and, sh and shoot them a, a really cheap or so, and depending on what it's worth if it's there's a duplex if the duplex is worth enough to actually uh build something on it then um then it might even be worth flipping to a builder yeah it's not a bad idea that's pretty cool that's i, I like this because like you said the the time involved is not nearly as much as what some you know fix and flip stuff will do will will take but it, it it's fun it's something you can do without without nearly as much time it doesn't take a forty thousand dollar down payment to offer on little plots of land and and it's really not a super saturated market it's no, not it's like not. A, a large it, apartments right now it, it, it's it's almost uh, i won't say it's completely competition free but it's almost competition free meaning we send out letters to people. I mean, we do everything different. Like we send we with a house. If somebody if somebody wants to sell you their house right now, you gotta almost like leave this podcast and go meet the person because if you don't, somebody else will meet them uh, ten minutes afterwards. Right? Yeah. When somebody calls us on a Monday, we don't even go look at that record until Thursday, and we on Friday or Saturday send them the offer. And then we sent the offer out in mail, which takes another four or five days to receive and sleep in. So they received their offer usually about a week to 10 days after they even talk, called us. And there's no issue with that. It allows us to design our life around, uh, to design our business around our life, uh, not our life around our business. And because it's land, I don't even have to look at it. We flip some land on the big island, by the way. Oh, that's cool. There are some properties on there that have fee simple owned, so they're regularly owned. Uh, there's some subdivisions out there and uh, it's not the highest priced area of the, of the big island, but still we buy them for about $3,000 a piece, sell them for about $15,000 a piece all day long have flipped a whole bunch of them there. So I like that you mentioned the rezoning piece earlier uh, because, so I have a friend and this is on Oahu in Lanikai area, which is super, super high end. Uh, and it's like on the hillside, they're friends of my parents, which I ironically got a hold of them via direct mail, didn't even know they knew my parents. I just have a unique last name. So they were like, hang on. Um, they own, it's like four acres of land that's worth, I mean, millions of dollars out here. But husband passed away, zoning lapsed. It's now in like an agriculturally protected, protected zoning mess. And I, I tried to talk to them about selling, you know, a couple of years back when I first got on the island. And they have been trying to rezone this mess for two and a half years now. And to my knowledge, I mean, I, I eventually just stopped following up because it's like nothing, no progress at all. Um, and they're no closer to being able to actually sell this property they have than they were ahead of time. So I, I just say that to say that I totally understand your pain on zoning. It can be a nightmare. Yeah. 
we, we're playing the game of what is it worth in its current condition and its current zoning? Can we get it for much, much cheaper? Yes, and then let's flip it to somebody. If somebody else buys it because they think they can do the rezoning, be my guest. But uh, unless we, 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 we can know we can do it, we usually do it. Another one of our students actually did the same story. He bought a property, wanted to rezone it uh, and to bring up the value dramatically. And it would have been worth it. But a year into it, he's gotten so much headwind from the community around him, even though it's not, he doesn't rezone it into like, I don't know, something like uh, bad or so. He rezones it into something. There's a bunch of RV, RV parks around and he wants to rezone it into another RV park. And, uh, and they're like, no, we've had enough RV parks here. We don't want this. And so literally after one year, he gave up. Now, good news is he has it under contract for, um, I think, $100,000 and it's still worth two hundred and fifty. So he, he's still going to make about, even if he wholesales it, he's still going to make like $50,000 in it. But he would have been able to make those $50,000 a year ago by just flipping it instead of going to the year-long process that now has failed at the end and, uh, and, and, and now still making his $50,000. Yep. So rezoning is something that's sometimes worth it. And particularly, however, if you're in environments like Hawaii, where, the, well, there's a limited amount of land and they're giving it up very, very, very slowly, which explains some of these horrendous prices in Hawaii, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want just to be entire island to be full of houses, which at the price point of $200,000 a house would probably be tomorrow. Yep. Right? Everyone would buy a house there. So they, they, they're giving it a... They, they're probably the rezoning process in Hawaii is much, much harder than in other places. Absolutely. Yeah. That's now, if you want to do that in, I don't know, in, in Illinois or Arkansas, you probably won't have a problem rezoning it because they're happy rezoning it from residential to commercial because they're probably excited if somebody comes and builds and rezones it commercially and perhaps, perhaps down the road, put something commercial out there that it creates some jobs, right? So it's, it's always like location matters. But we don't deal with it. I've never rezoned anything because I rather go spend that time flip ten more deals and make another two hundred grand. The velocity of money absolutely velocity makes money, up for it. Opportunity cost, exactly those things. Yeah, that's huge. All right, so a question for you: uh, What factors, when you're looking for land, what factors do you use to de decide on a, a real estate market? Is there something different when it comes to land that you, what you? Would yeah, use so we analyze? like three kinds of land. Uh, three kinds of land. First, we look at infill lots, which is obviously. Uh, the game there is a little bit different. You have to send out more direct mail pieces. You have to make more offers in order to get something accepted. But when you get something accepted, you might make $50,000 or $100,000 on a deal. So that deal that we did last month is we paid five for it and we sold it for $64,000 for seller financing on top of it. So we're going to make $110,000 on that deal over the next 20 years. But, uh, but in cash flow, thing, and we have nothing in the deal because the down payment was more than, the, than what we paid for the property. But that was an infilot. It was an infilot zone for actually commercial zone for multifamily. But it's a small lot, so you could put like a triplex or a fourplex on it. But that's not my game. Fourplexes and construction and building—it's a—it's a distraction to my core business. So I'm not doing it, right? So therefore, I'm sticking to my guns again. So we flipped it. Let somebody else build the fourplexes and perhaps cash us out sometime down the road when they have when they start building. Um, but the second kind of property is the. Is, is the land in the outskirts of bigger cities, like uh, in the, what's called the path of growth typically. And what the criteria we use for that, and for the actually for the infilots too, is that we look for cities that are growing. Now you can find cities that are growing by simply going to Google and saying like, 
uh, US, USA fast, 100 fastest growing cities, or you can go to a website called city-data.com. And uh, on their website, you can find some of the fastest growing metropolitan areas in employment growth and, and in, uh, in all the different kind of growth factors. And you can look around there, but don't overdo it. It's not like rocket science. Uh, but we just, just pick a few markets that you like where you think it, that people want to go and move. Like we found that the coasts are very attractive. The southern part of the US is very attractive. The northern part has attractive areas too, like lakes and things like that. Um, but there's also, for example, a lot of, um, what would you want to stay away from, for example, is shrinking towns. So for example, a uh, small town in Florida, probably good. Small town in the middle of the Midwest, probably not good because people are moving away from these small towns in the Midwest. They're moving to the big cities, they're moving south. And, and even though there's vacant land around it, it's, it's, it's not worth much and it's, you're gonna have a hard time selling. Small town that has population growth in the south or, or anywhere else, wherever it has population growth is great, right? So it's all kind of like, it's, it's, it's population growth that really is an important factor that we're looking at. What are the fastest growing cities? And when I say, usually we like to stick to larger cities uh, because larger cities, there's more buyers there, right? There's more, there's more demand there. There's more activity going on there. Small cities, usually if they, unless they're like the, in the top 20 list of retirement cities of the United States where people want to go to, it, they're still okay, but, but there's less people to buy, less people moving there, less demand. Right? And then the third kind of group of property that we focus on is uh, large acreage in the more rural areas. So, but even there, you want to be somewhat surrounded by within two, three hours of driving or one to three hours of driving from a big city. Like I always use an example, Elko, Nevada is a county in Northeast Nevada. There's absolutely nothing around. There's no reason in the world why anyone would ever want to go to Elko, Nevada. Sorry if you're listening from Elko, but uh, <laughs> the, only, the only place there is that uh, is, is a town called Elko. It's a cute, quaint little town. I've been there on the way once driving through when I still looked at properties and has a couple of casinos as a county house and that's about it. But other than that, there's no reason to ever go to Elko. Elko has lots of 40 acre parcels, but they're almost worthless. They're worth four or $5,000. I mean, you can pick them up for a thousand and sell them for three, but that's not my definition of a good deal. Right? I mean, it's a good deal, but it's, I'd rather buy something for three and sell it for 30, right? So, so however, if you take the, what is that? The Smoky Mountains or something, what they're called, they're, they're only a couple of hours away from multiple large cities, like Atlanta on one side, Chattanooga on another side, like whatever other uh, diff different uh, cities around there. If you take even Arizona for that matter, the Northern Arizona is very attractive, even though it's in the middle of nowhere, because it's 20 degrees cooler than Phoenix, Arizona. And if you've ever been in Phoenix, Arizona in August, you know what I mean. Phoenix, Arizona in August is 110 to 115 degrees every single day. So if you can be up there where it's, in, where it's 78, 85 degrees in summer, that's beautiful. So lots of people take their RVs and go up there and spend the weekends there and so on. So that is what I mean. If you're in, if you're in, in Seattle, right, there's Shasta Mountain. There's, Shasta, there's, 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 there's areas, uh, or Shasta Mountain, I think it's in California, but still, uh, if you're in Northern California, there's areas like that. If you're in Florida, there's areas where there's lakes and things like that. So, so make sure that you keep that in mind. So versus Elko, Nevada, where there's absolutely no reason to ever go. 
So it just we applied some common sense to it. Like if you want to have, if somebody's in is in is in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and they like the outdoors, how many people do you think like would like to have a ranch out there? Like to have some twenty acres that they with some trees on their creek going through it, where they can park their RV, can build a build a cabin, where they can have their friends come out and they party on the weekend, or they can have perhaps a few horses or cattle. And, and just enjoy that. That's actually a surprising high amount of people. When I speak in any kind of uh, real estate group, there's usually half the hands go up when I ask, who would like to have their own ranch? And so, and plus, if you think all the hikers, the campers, the dirt bikers, the motorcycle guys, uh, they all love the outdoors. So there's a millions of people that love that. And, and, and that land is often can be bought very, very cheap and, and sold with very nice profits. Absolutely. All right, so Jack, one last question for you. I know you have a book, Forever Cash, and I'm just curious if you can briefly overview some of your, uh, like the, your central tenets of what your financial mentality is. Right, I, I kind of, I kind of covered it, uh, mentioned it a little bit already, but I, I, I'm happy to talk about it a little bit more. My, my overall financial philosophy is that of everything in your financial life should be designed for you to to roll money that you make over again and again and again into what we call forever cash. And forever cash is just another word for lifelong generational cash flow, right? So we in our family, we talk about there's three types of cash. There's one-time cash, temporary cash, and forever cash. So there is one-time cash is cash that you work for once and you get paid for it once. So a flip is one-time cash, but it's better quality one-time cash and you're going over and mowing the neighbor's lawn for 20 bucks, right? Blowing the neighbor's lawn is also 20 bucks because you worked half an hour, you got paid 20 bucks. Uh, doing a real estate flip, you might work 10 hours, you get paid $20,000. I prefer that. Right? Absolutely. But doing one-time cash is not a recipe to be able to retire really ever. Right? Unless to flip something that makes you $100 million or $10 million or whatever it is, then uh, that is enough to outlast your entire life then uh, it's, it's, it's not enough. And even, even the biggest mountains of money have been, have been used up by people who are not having the right financial mindset. Just look at the, at the, at the top sports people, like the basketball guys that have gone broke, the, uh, Kurt Schilling, the baseball player, went through $60 million in like five years after retirement and broke, right? Uh, now, if they have a great name, they'll always find a spot to make an income. But $60 million is gone, can't even imagine that. No. Is that the process, my opinion, my wife and our opinion, should go such. Make money, make one-time cash, do some flips, and find the easiest way to make those flips. That's why we then once we realized land, it was like, man, this is easier than everything else. Let us do that. But then we'd use some of that money, uh, and we use that money only for three different purposes. Purpose number one is to, uh, to pay off a little bit of our debt. Now, we had debt. We had student debt. Uh, so the credit card debt, house debt, car debt, you name it, right? Uh, use some of that, lose a little bit, 10 or 20% of the money that you make from these flips and pay off debt. Very soon, you, you got to get your head of, uh, above water from all your expenses in your life. Second thing, uh, use, uh, use money and invest in yourself. Invest in yourself for more knowledge. Because the only reason we were able to capitalize on the 2009 situation in the housing market is that by that time, we had gained the knowledge and the experience and the confidence to be able to, uh, to play into that market, right? And the third thing is reinvest in your deals, right? So, so that's, that's the way. So that's the way you do that. And, and actually, there's a fourth way. Uh, actually, the third way is not reinvest in your deals. 
put money off to the side and then use that money to start investing in long-term cash flow deals. That's what I mean with reinvested money. So reinvested money. So the goal at the beginning is not to buy a new car, not to buy a new house, not to buy the Ferrari, not to buy the Lambo, not to go take the vacation, the family vacation on a the, on the trip with a private jet and stuff like that. And I'm not saying this is crazy. I've seen people do that. So, and, and two years later, the market shifted on them and they're broke, literally, they're broke. And I have to lend them money. That has actually has happened. So, um, so instead, use, use that money to pile it up. And if you have the tendency to spend, then open another bank account with a bank across the city and throw away the ATM. Right? So throw away the, 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 the card, the ATM card. So that the only way you can retrieve money is by literally going there and just saying like, I need money or going there and doing wire transfer into the, into the title company for your, for your next big investment or so. Right? So you've got to protect yourself from yourself sometimes. But then secondly, that the, I'm sorry, I'm going a little long, I know, but, uh, no, but no. the second way is then take the, um, and as you do this, start investing in, in stuff that brings cash flow. So we did land flips first to get out of debt, right? To get ahead of our water. Then we realized we can sell these properties instead of financing and literally triple our money on the deals. Because you sell it for, our, instead of buying it here and selling it there, it's a wholesale deal. Buying it uh, low and selling it high with a down payment that pays for what we paid for it, and now monthly payments uh, allows us to sell for higher and on top of it charge an interest rate on that and get a three, three to four times higher profit from those deals. And the beautiful part is get it in cash flow without any tenants, toilets, and termites. Right? There are trash, no repairs, none of that. So we get that cash flow going. And then you use that cash flow and also feed that into your that account across the city, right? And on the other side of town. And then uh, because you don't need that money, you don't need the money right? right now you keep doing your flips you live off your flips you use the cash flow to put it in other pieces and then ultimately you invest in more and more of these cash flow assets like that's why we do the apartment complex deals because they're bigger cash flow even bigger cash flow for long terms and so on and you can invest passively in some of those we invest we have investors that invest with us all the time and uh and then and then overall what happens is that you start having one source of income, two sources of income, three sources of income, four sources of income, and all these sources of income are starting to come in. And soon enough, within a few years, you have more income coming from these uh, cash flow coming in from all these sources than you actually made in your job, making your job. And you're financially free. You're financially free. Now, not at a million billion dollar level, but at the level of where you were before, that before you didn't see a way out. If you made $5,000 a month, you now have $5,000 in cash flow. You're financially free. You now have a choice. You can quit that job, use that money to live on, but use that time to really propel everything forward five times faster. Yeah. And uh, that's what we did. I made about $2,500 a month net. That's all I made. Right? And we replaced that in a matter of four months. Within a matter of 10 months, we had doubled that in cash flow. We had paid off our debt. We had put up years worth of living expenses on the sideline. Our green card had come through. That's when we quit. And within eight months after that, we officially hit the million dollars in profits. That's and uh, we were millionaires. And we've been obviously millionaires ever since. And, uh, and, and, and that's the path. And, and then we started investing in the houses to, to turn that cash flow from the land that eventually will end. Because it's like three years, five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years cash flow. We, we turned that into, into house cash flow that's free and clear that will go on forever. Our daughter is 11 years old. When she graduates, 
she's going to make that cash, right? She's going to inherit those houses, right? And then we, we saw the apartment complexes that one of them alone is bringing in like about 100 grand a year in cash flow. Uh, and, and, and those we keep and then we go sell and then, uh, and then we roll into other things. And it's a, it's a lifelong process. I'm never planning to stop on that because it's a way of life. And that way of life now allows us to live in a house that we, that it's a 7,000 square foot custom home that we just, that we just bought two months ago. And that is uh, absolutely the home of our dreams. That's super cool. I'm really glad I asked that question because you just gave so much value in your answer. Sorry, right? I, that's my pet peeve. I'm like, that's where, I, that's where we wrote the book about it. The book is not a real estate book. The book is a financial freedom book. And that's, that's why I started this. So you mentioned people who made it big and blew all their money on something and then needed to borrow money. The military, where we're deployed, a lot of guys can get, depending on your job, I mean, there's $100,000 bonuses for re-enlisting. And if you're in a combat zone, when you get that bonus, it's tax-free. So you imagine this 24-year-old, 22-year-old kid gets a check for $100,000 handed to him, and he comes back, and it's like Harley, Cummins truck, sports car, trip here, trip here, married someone I shouldn't have, and now I have nothing left. I got to stay in the military because I have no option. Um, and I just, I was seeing this stuff. I got to start talking to people about what they're doing with their money. So I'm very passionate in the same regard. We could probably talk forever about that. Um, yeah. yeah, I see it. I see it in our seminars. There's another seminar that we do, a uh, three-day uh, teaching seminar. Um, there, when, where not somebody's coming up to me, at least multiple people come up to me. It's like 20 years ago, I could have bought, uh, I, I was worth $4 million. Today, I have to borrow money to buy a horse. It's like, it's like, it's crazy. It shouldn't happen. You should only become or have to become rich once. True. Right? That's, uh, that's why we, that's why we, we, we protect our assets. Like we spend a lot of money now on asset protection and lawyers and things like that, just to make sure our stuff is safe because I don't work too hard. We work too hard for it. Right. And, and we, we don't, if we buy a new, need a new car, we buy a, a piece of real estate that spits out the cash flow to pay for the car payment. So when the car is old and junky, the cash flow is still coming in. It's just a way of thinking that is different. That uh, that as you said, it's that uh, ten years from now, the Harley is worthless or or, or tr crashed. The car is uh, is is broken, right? The the boat is gone. The the, the wife may or may not be. Uh, the spouse may or may not be gone. But uh, uh, and and they're looking back and it's like, well, we had some good times. Yeah, I'm, I'm having good times too. We celebrate. Right? We celebrate traveling, but the travel is our celebration. Um, but, but yeah, you know Absolutely. what I mean. All right. So I'm going to ask you one last question because we just touched on it. If you had to name, if you were, someone was to ask you for advice, uh, what would be one resource? And, and I'll let you plug all your courses here in a minute. But uh, one resource you would recommend that they, if, like if you have to read this book or check out this course or whatever, listen to this podcast, uh, that you would recommend to anyone getting started in real estate or on their financial freedom journey. One resource. Now, I'm not even going to tell any of my stuff. I mean, I, I, if you allow me, I will mention it in a moment. Absolutely, but, in a minute. But the book that changed my mindset is so many people have, have quote the same book. It's probably Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? You've read that. Now, I read it in a different context because my wife went to a college here that Robert Kiyosaki actually reached out to and hired a few people to help him create his first, his first marketing concept uh, for when, when, when he had just published a book and nobody knew about the book yet. So I was at dinner one time with my wife and some of these, uh, some of these get back then she was even still my fiance. We weren't even married yet. And, uh, and, and she 18 years ago or 19 years ago. And this guy tells me about this Kiyosaki dude 
and uh, and how he how he works with them, how his way of looking at things is completely different. He gives me his book uh, to to lend me his book, and I just read it in two days, and it changed my mindset. Now the, that's uh, to to that of a cash flow mindset. So I credit him with that. Now having said that, just reading the book is not going to do it, right? Because you got to still take action. You got to do something. So so on that end, uh, resources that I use is I I listen to podcasts. I started. Only after reading that, I started reading self-improvement books, right? Uh, I, because I realized that I need to shape my mind as a, in, in those kind of ways. So I started with uh, something Schwartz is the name of the, the magic of thinking big. I started reading everything from, uh, from um, I forgot his name right now, but, uh, but Dale Carnegie, right? And I'm looking through beyond here as my bookshelf. I'm, I'm looking if I can see some of the books here. Um, I took all of them with me because I can't, uh, I couldn't imagine leaving them behind when we moved. But, uh, but the, all the kind of the classic self-improvement books like Think and Grow Rich and uh, Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power, Unleashed, uh, Unshakable or Unleash the Power Within or, or whatever it is, those kind of things. There's like, it's a constant thing that you, that you want to work on because people say like, well, motivation only lasts, uh, only lasts for a little bit. Well, so does taking a shower and we do it every day, right? <laughs> so, so you definitely want to, want to tap your mind into that every single day. Uh, and, and somebody else told me that whatever you whatever goes into your, into your mind, whatever you consume uh, on a daily basis, uh, it will eventually come out of your mouth again. So if you, if you, if you put stuff into your mind by watching TV, by hanging out with people, you shouldn't, uh, that, uh, that are, that are filling you with stuff that is not uplifting, that same stuff will come out of your mouth eventually and will, die, will, will decide the direction of your life. So if you want that, if you want success, you gotta put, put positive stuff, successful stuff into your, into your mouth, into your mind so that it comes out of your mouth again and uh, in that way and that it's uplifting to others and it helps, and helps you do that. So it's probably a much bigger answer than you want it. I really like that about the shower. I'm going to put that in a quote and that's going to go up on my social media here this week. That's hilarious. And so true. Yeah. Right. Uh, so as we wrap this up, you know, I want to give you a chance to plug your, uh, your course and, and some of your seminars and stuff. Uh, where can people get a hold of you? Well, thank you very much. Uh, we have a, we have a, a course called land profit generator, uh, that you can get on, uh, get, get and watch the video and watch the training webinar on, on landprofitgenerator.com. So just simply go to www.landprofitgenerator.com. And we also have uh, a Facebook group that is free. Both, of course, is free to watch the webinar. And we have a Facebook group that is called Land Profit Generator Real Estate Group uh, that's on Facebook that is also free to join. It's a closed group. You got to apply for it to make sure you, you answer the questions because uh, we don't want anyone to spam in there because it's a true group that we help each other. We've created like... We've created like a true land profit generator family, like a tribe in a sense, where we help, uh, where we, where we help each other succeed through that. And and then after, uh, for those who have the land profit generator, we have seminars. Our seminars are not even open to the public; they're only open to those who have our land profit generator course. So, uh, so if you, uh, because in that seminar we don't have guest speakers, and it's not a pitchathon, and we're not uh, selling a bunch of stuff and so on. It's for those who have the course already to go dig deeper into what they're doing already. And people have called it the most life-changing event they've ever been to uh, because it's an, it's, an, it's an event that I teach. I mean, it's not because of that it's life-changing because I'm just a regular guy, but it's life-changing because of, 
of how we structure it that we structure to go into into the depth of why you want to be successful right we got to not just there's if, if information would make wealthy then everyone then every university professor would be wealthy right so uh information is is, is out there a dime a dozen what makes somebody take action is if they can emotionally connect to the reasons why they need to take action. Uh, so we're doing a little session, just like half an hour in each time in our live events on that. And that really drives people forward to take action and, and make, make things happen. And so, but, but the simplest way to start is to go to a land profit generator to find out more about the technique and how it works. And then uh, join our Facebook group so you can convince yourself of, of what the impact is. Like, like, who am I to tell you that we have this amazing system that works, right? Probably not believe me anyway, because I'm probably thinking I want to sell you something. Just join the Facebook group, uh, watch the webinar, join the Facebook group, and then see how, uh, how our students are doing out there, how they're helping each other, and how usually successful our group of people is. Absolutely. And I, I know your, uh, your Facebook group's got a pretty solid following and it. it's big so it's obviously yeah. not just flat yeah, several thousand people oh and we also have a podcast i have a podcast called uh, the forever cash again like the name of my book forever cash life real estate podcast again forever cash life real estate podcast and my wife also has a podcast called the inflow with michelle bosch podcast where she teaches specifically uh, designed for women and uh, so it's a combination of uh, of, of of life success and real estate kind of advice, interviews, and she has some amazing guests on that show, uh, some na nationwide known people in, in the money, real estate, spirituality, uh, success space. It's, it's, it's an amazing podcast. It's called awesome. Inflow with Michelle Bosch. And Bosch is with SCH. I will, uh, I'll link to that one as well. I'm gonna link to all of this now in the show notes as awesome. always. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for joining us. This has been, this has been a lot of fun for me because this is something that I've been curious about. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I wanted to have you on the show because obviously land and real estate is awesome. But I really appreciate the five minute spiel on financial freedom and forever cash. To me, that that is just huge because that's learning to invest in real estate can be life changing. But if you don't learn how to control your expenditures, it won't matter. Yeah. A lot of people know how to make money. Very few people know how to create wealth. Yes. And huge. What, what we're focusing on is truly wealth creation. Like, I'm convinced that when we pass away, our daughter and her grandchildren won't ever have to work again. They can do what, what they love in life. And then the funny thing is we found what we love in life. I will do real estate for the rest of my life. That's a good feeling. That's a great yes. feeling. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.